0: The reading this morning is from Romans uh, 15, 1 to 13. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written... The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you, that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles I will sing the praises of your name Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: Now, Celia's already mentioned this, but when you think about it, there's a lot of different people in this room, isn't there? I mean, have a quick look around. It's all right. No one's going to think poorly of you for doing it. Have a look around. Look at the people who are here. Think about the different backgrounds that they come from, born in different countries. There's some New Zealanders here. They're the ones that are crying because Ireland beat them last night in the rugby. Uh, there, are people, there are people here of different ages. There are people here different work backgrounds, different levels of education, different lifestyles. A whole variety of people. But it's one thing that brings us here. In fact, if it wasn't for the fact that we're Christians, we would probably have little or nothing to do with each other. We probably wouldn't even know each other. But our faith in Jesus means that we can actually set aside our differences. It means that we have something in common that's actually able to override all of the things that we don't have in common. So given that the power that the gospel has to be able to unite us, it's always sad to see churches that get divided, and especially when churches get divided over petty, insignificant issues. Now, in this section of Romans that we're looking at today, starting at chapter 14, verse number 1, Paul's dealing with some things that seem to have been causing division in the church in Rome. But it's not just these specific issues that he wants to talk about. He actually gives us some good principles for dealing with differences within the life of our church as well. Now, in this section of Romans, he touches on three things that seem to be causing that sort of problem. They're things that can still cause division today. Uh, First of all, he wants to talk about what you can and can't eat in churches. Sorry, he talks about the Sabbath. He talks about what you can and can't eat in, uh, in, uh, in the church, and what you can and can't drink. Have a look at verse number 14, though. It's important to hear what he says right at the beginning of this. He says, except him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. Disputable matters, Paul calls them. There are matters where there can be differing opinions among Christians. There are issues where the church church in Rome had differences of opinion on those issues, and they can still be those sorts of things today. Uh, the, there are. Um, people that I know of where uh, a church not too far away from here where a very very devoted member of the church was leaving was finishing up at the church and moving away from the area and after many years of faithful service in the church the minister thought it would be great to have a picnic after church to thank her for all of the great work that she'd done within the life of the church but unfortunately that was on a sabbath day on a sunday and there was one member of the congregation who made it very publicly known that he, he thought it was a totally inappropriate activity to have, a picnic, on the Sabbath. Uh, so he protested against it and said that it was completely the wrong thing to do. Uh, my mum grew up in a church where they had very strong attitudes about the Sabbath as well, what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. Uh, and she said that there was a saying when she was growing up that those who did sewing on the Sabbath would be unpicking the stitches with their nose in hell. Now, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) But it doesn't sound good, does it? I've heard of uh, others who have dismissed people as Christians, so they couldn't possibly be Christians if they drink alcohol. Uh, I had a friend who told us that we shouldn't eat in Thai restaurants because, as you may be aware, if you've been to Thai restaurants, they often have a little shrine with a statue of the Buddha there and kind of some offerings being presented to the Buddha. Uh, This friend of mine told me that that was food that was being offered to idols and you should not eat in a restaurant where that happens, even if it's really good Thai food, (laughs) apparently. Now, Paul describes all of these things... ...as disputable matters. So how should we handle them? How should we deal with them? Let's have a look at what the passage says. But before we do this, one important thing to recognise... ...not everything, not every difference of opinion in church... ...is a disputable matter. Not everything falls into that same category. There are some things where it's not in dispute. It's totally clear what Christians should think... ...and how Christians should behave... If you've got your Bible there, turn back to Romans chapter 13 and look at what he says in verse 12. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. There are some things Christians shouldn't do. Their behaviour is contrary to the way there are behaviours that are contrary to the way that God would want us to live. It's wrong for Christians, Paul says, to be drunkards or to be sexually immoral. These things do not fall into the category of disputable matters. These are not areas where we can have differences of opinion. There are some things that the Bible is very clear about in terms of our behaviour as Christians. These disputable matters in the church in Rome they seem to have been issues related to Old Testament law about what you could and couldn't eat, what you could and couldn't drink and how to deal with the Sabbath day. But Paul wants to say that there are also other matters that could be disputable matters, matters where we have those differences of opinion. So let's have a look at the guiding principles Paul wants to give us for dealing with these disputable matters. Principle number one it's right there in chapter 14, verse number one except him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. We're not to judge others for our strong faith if their faith seems a little weaker. We're not to look down on others who enjoy a freedom that we perhaps don't enjoy. The principle works both ways. Have a look at verse number three. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. It's actually okay to have a difference of opinion on this matter, but you're not to judge other people, you're not to look down on them for the way in which they handle it, is what Paul is saying. There is a time and a place to talk about those disputable matters. There is a time and a place to help people to perhaps see that, What they're saying is an important thing, perhaps isn't that important. In fact, I think that's what Paul's doing in this section of the letter. The fact that he describes some people as being weaker in the faith, he seems to be suggesting that if they became more mature, they would see things in a different light. But he's not judging them, and he's not criticising them for what they want to do. He says that people can have differences of opinion about eating meat. Look at uh, verse number 14, chapter 14. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. And then in verse 20, he says again, as Jesus has already said, that all food is clean. I'm sure Paul's trying to give a little gentle encouragement to those people who want to hang on to some of those food laws, to perhaps rethink that issue. But the principle still stands We're not to judge other people who may have a difference of opinion with us on some of these disputable matters. We're not to look down on them for the way that they view the Sabbath or the way that they view certain foods or the way that they drink alcohol. And those people are not to look down on others. Principle number two is found there in verse 7 of chapter 14. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live... We live for the Lord and if we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. As Christians, we live for Jesus. When we think about how it is that we're going to live, we need to see people as people who need to live for Jesus as well. Those who choose not to eat meat they, or those who choose to observe the Sabbath do so because they think it would be wrong to eat meat or wrong for them to break the Sabbath. They believe that they are doing it for Jesus' sake. Those who eat meat and don't observe the Sabbath, well, they're doing it for the same reason. They do it because they live for Jesus. The principle spelled out in a little bit more detail in uh, verse 5 of chapter 14. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own minds. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And whoever eats meat does so to the Lord for giving thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so for the, uh, to the Lord and gives thanks to God. None of us lives for themselves for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. We, If we live, we live for the Lord and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems a bit strange, doesn't it? that he can say that there's nothing wrong with eating meat, but at the same time say, if you think that there is, then you need to abstain from eating meat. And have a look at what he says in verse number 14. As one who is in the Lord, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. See, it's not really a matter of right and wrong in this particular issue. It's a matter of whether or not you think it is right and wrong. And Paul's saying that if you think that something is wrong and then go ahead and do it, well, you're doing the wrong thing. But the principle stands that we need to make sure that we live for the Lord, that we seek to do what is right in God's eyes. Principle number three. We are not to cause a stum- we're not to be a stumbling block to others. Now in a lot of ways practical application is really easy here. If you have a friend and, and they believe that it's wrong to eat meat or to eat Thai food, then don't invite them to the steakhouse or don't invite them to come to dinner at 21 Thai. If you have a friend who doesn't drink alcohol, don't invite them to the wine tasting. It's pretty straightforward. Don't do things that are going to make it hard for other followers of Jesus. Don't do things that might cause them to stumble, to do something that they think is wrong. Verse 19 of chapter 14 is where Paul talks about it. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Don't do things that are going to make it hard for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Final principle is uh, chapter 14, verse 15. We are to love others and promote peace. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. And then the beginning of chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for their good to build them up. Now, all of this, I think, seems to get summed up in chapter 15 and verses 5 and 6. He says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what Paul wants to see is actually a united group of people who are working to support and encourage each other for that one goal of seeing that God's name is glorified. It's the gospel that brings us into fellowship with God. It's the gospel that unifies us as followers of Jesus. And it's the gospel that ought to shape our fellowship. We do all of these things, Paul says, for the sake of the gospel. We act in a way that will be glorifying to God. God has called us to be his people, called us to tell others about his son. That's the main game. That's what we're here for as as followers of Jesus. That's why this church exists. So Paul's saying, don't get distracted from the main game. Don't make unimportant things don't make disputable matters seem so important that we forget what really does matter and don't let the important issue the unimportant issues become the main game there's a tactic that gets used in cycling you might be aware of this if you've been at all involved in cycling uh, that but it's a tactic that kind of might help us to think about how we actually deal with each other in church. See in cycling and especially in road racing they work together as a team. Uh, There are a lot of riders who are part of the team but before the race has even started they know that they won't be standing on the podium at the end. They know because of the tactics of the team that they will not be the person receiving the prize. They won't be running first or second or even third. They are there to get somebody else across the line first. That guy there who's wearing the yellow shirt, that's actually Cadell Evans. And so this whole team, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? To be in a team and to know that your name will not be remembered as a winner of the Tour de France, but you probably did all of the work to make sure that that guy would be remembered, that you've actually put his interests ahead of yours for the sake of of the team. I don't know if they still do, but they used to call them bunnies. They'd be the people who go out in front, race out, take everybody else with them, get them all tired out. Cadell Evans is sitting in the back somewhere. And then at the right moment, he starts racing. And he ends up standing on the podium. He ends up winning the Tour de France. It's an amazing thing for a team member to do, to deliberately race in a way that you know that you won't win to forego the chance of winning for the sake of a teammate. Well, that's the principle Paul's advocating here, isn't it? Isn't that what he's saying to us? We need to be the bunnies. When it comes to these disputable matters, we need to do the thing that's going to benefit the team, not me. We need to do the things that will enable others to win. Being a Christian means that we are part of that team. And if this is your church, then this is the team that you're sitting with here this morning. The team that's on about that one thing of bringing glory to God through the message of the name of his son, Jesus. So what are the issues that have the potential to divide our church? What are the disputable matters where we might be tempted to look down on others? Do you think that there might be people in this church who you respect less because of this or this, things that Paul would want to call disputable matters? Because if you do, then Paul says, stop thinking like that. Start thinking about how you can build each other up. Start thinking about how you can encourage each other, how you can help each other to feel a part of the team. If you're part of the team, then what Paul says there in verses five five and six really ought to be your prayer for this team. Paul says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.